bow our heads. Uh, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to work in each of us and in the midst of all of us uh, to use the teaching of your word to your purposes in our lives and in our church. Uh, help me to teach rightly and well and help those who hear to yield their own spirits to yours. Give all discernment to weigh the teaching against the plumb line of your word and grace to hold on to what is good, receiving it as what it is, your will for your people. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Back when uh, the dinosaurs roamed the earth, I, I played basketball for Dallas Bible College. Uh, my kids can confirm it. They've seen the photographs. Even though they wish they could forget them, they characterize the uniforms as gross. The, the uh, basketball shorts were pretty skimpy back in that, that day, um, com especially compared to today's uh, much more modest, right? Uh, basketball shorts, you, you know, you, you could make the whole team's uniform out of one uniform. Basketball, you take one uniform today and make the whole team's back when I played. But we played in a league with other Christian colleges, Dallas Bible College. We played in a league with other Christian colleges in Dallas and in Houston, the Dallas area, the Houston area, and really the whole corridor in between. There were a few along the way. And on one occasion, uh, we put up the visiting team in our dorm rooms. And, uh, you know, everybody was kind of assigned a player to kind of host. And I was making conversation with one of the visiting basketball players and, and asked how long he'd been a Christian. And he said something like this. He said, well, I, w I was born again the first time about 10 years ago, and, and then again about five years ago, and then this last time a couple of years ago. And, it, and then, then we had something to talk about, right? I was just trying to break the ice. you know. <laughs> then we had something to talk about because what really came to mind for me was, oh, wait, a, wait a minute, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, but he never told anyone, I don't think, you must be born again and again and again and again until finally one time maybe it'll take. <laughs> and then you'll stay that way. Uh, never once. If you've believed in Christ, never once did he say that, but be born again and again and again and again and again. If you believed in Christ, if you're trusting Christ, then the teaching of the New Testament is that you have been born again. It's one of those four foundational ministries of the Holy Spirit we've been talking about. Ribs, you remember ribs? Regeneration, indwelling, baptism, sealing. These foundational uh, ministries or works of the Holy Spirit that, that the Holy Spirit does in the life of every Christian. Everyone who believes. And they're, they're consistently presented in the New Testament as accomplished facts, things that have been done if you are in Christ, if you're a believer. And therefore, having been once accomplished, they're really just eternal truths about any who have believed. They're not experiences to be, well, they're not essentially experiences anyway, but they're not works to be repeated, uh, but eternal truths to be believed. Titus 3.15, I'm just, I'm using a uh, I'm cutting out a lot of the verse, but, I'm, but the grammar holds. He saved us. He saved us. Past tense. He saved us uh, by the washing of regeneration. That's the R. Regeneration. Born again. It's an accomplished fact. It's something to be believed. It's an eternal truth. They're, they're not 
believers in the New Testament are not commanded to be born again. They're not. If you're a believer, you're not. There's nowhere in the New Testament that commands you as a, you're already a believer, but you still must be born again. No, no. There's no such thing as a believer, a Christian who has not been born again. You've been. You're just told that you are. You have become regenerate. Ephesians two doesn't use the word regeneration, but it's a, it's about it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Past. He already did it. Made us alive in Christ. That's the impartation of spiritual life. That's regeneration. It's not something we're told to do as believers because it's not done already. It's not something we really could do. How do you give birth to yourself you know it's not something we could do it's something done for us and in us by the Holy Spirit and the only thing we're to do with it when we read about it is to believe it and once again not believe it so that it will be true believe it because it is already true believe it because it is true and it's not a repeatable event Nicodemus had this right when Nicodemus, we first, John chapter 3, speaking with Jesus, that interview with Jesus, and he says, he says, can a, a man can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Well, that's exactly right. You can't be born twice physically. You're born once. It's a once-in-a-lifetime event. And it's the same with the second birth. It's the same way. That part, Nicodemus was right on about that. You could apply that to the second birth. And so, so this, and that's the way it is with these foundational works of the Holy Spirit, indwelling, regeneration, indwelling. First Corinthians six nineteen says, or Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So they didn't even. So maybe some of them didn't even know it, but it was true the whole time, whether they knew it or not. Their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom they have from God. Early in 1 Corinthians 2, we won't go back there and, and look at it, but you can later if you want to. Paul basically explains that unbelievers cannot accept spiritual truths because they do not have the Holy Spirit within them to teach them. They can't understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit, but if you're in Christ, you do. So we're not... We're not commanded to get the Holy Spirit inside of us, right? I mean, we're just told that it's so. Uh, we're, not, we're not given instructions on how to keep the Holy Spirit from leaving you. We're, there is nowhere in the New Testament where it says if, you, if the Holy Spirit has departed from you, He's no longer in you, how to get Him back. There's nothing like that because this is simply a, a condition. I don't want to say condition. That sounds like if-then. It's a feature, let's say that, it's a feature, it's a characteristic of your salvation in Christ, that you have been born again, regeneration, that you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Likewise, baptism, same thing, the B, the baptism. It's just, that's what makes us a part of the body of Christ. We've been placed into, we've been like, like being placed under the water in water baptism. We've been placed into the body of Christ. For in one spirit, this 1 Corinthians 12, 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. We were all made to drink of one spirit. We, it isn't something we're told to do. It's something we're told has been done. You have been placed into the body of Christ. It's a forever truth. We don't have to re-up our membership. It does not expire. We don't have to do something to maintain it. It's, it's not something that is repeated. Same way. The S, R-I-B-S, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Same way. Same way. The Holy Spirit does the sealing. He is the seal. It's Ephesians 1. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, in Christ, you were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. There it's explicit. It says you were sealed, right? Past tense, it happened to you. The Holy Spirit is the seal. He does the sealing. And it's, it's in effect till the day of redemption, till your resurrection, till the completion of, of, the, sal of the salvation that we have in Christ. We're not told in the New Testament how to stay sealed. The believers are not told to get yourself sealed. Yeah, you're in Christ, you're a Christian, but you've got to get yourself sealed. No, nothing like that in the New Testament. You're just told you are sealed, safeguarded, set apart as God's property, guaranteed to get where you're going. We're not, we're not told what we have to do to stay sealed. We're not told how to get resealed if we get unsealed somehow. There's nothing like that in the, in the New Testament. It's ribs, regeneration, indwelling, baptism, sealing, Christians, like or should like their ribs well done, right? Because that's what we are. It's all well done. It's done and done. It's finished. The only thing we're to do with them is to believe it and act on it and, and live like these things are so because they are. They are, they are not repeatable things. They're once for all things. But there is a particular activity or function of the Holy Spirit that is a repeated thing, a repeated work. And not only that, the New Testament uses the language of command about it. You know, there is a command to this, and it's almost always, well, at least, at least most of the time, it's spoken of and referred to as filling, the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. Uh, consider Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were all, and the Peter's included here, this is the apostles, and they were all, this Acts 2, 4, I see some of you looking in your Bibles. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, but there it is. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. Later, a little bit later in Acts, I'm going to chapter 4, verse 8. Peter and John are going to be arrested. They're going to be hauled before the Sanhedrin uh, to face the music, you know, to, to, you know, for their comeuppance. And look what John Acts 4.8 says. Peter, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says again, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and then he goes on to give a very bold defense of the gospel and what they, and what they were doing. Phil, so was he still filled? 
You know, from the Acts 2 experience? Is he still filled? Or is he filled again? The language doesn't, it doesn't seem all that clear, does it? Whether he's filled again or he's still filled. But look a little bit later, we get a little bit stronger indication that it's not still filled, it's filled again. Peter and John are relating, they, you know, they go back to their Christian friends, you know, they tell them what happened with the Sanhedrin, and, uh, and it says Acts 4.31, they all pray together, and by the way, they pray together for boldness in the face of these threats, that's what they're praying for. They're not praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit, by the way. You know, Lord, fill. In all, if I'm not mistaken, in all these cases where the Spirit fills, I don't see anybody praying for the filling itself. They, they're praying for empowerment. They're praying for strength. They're praying for courage. They're praying for, you know, for, uh, for certain things, and then the Holy Spirit fills. But that's that's an aside. Well, look at Acts 4:31. And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, NIV puts a stronger, no change in meaning, but the NIV puts a little bit stronger point on this. Says after they had prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter included, I would assume. They were all filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So here's what it looks like. Acts chapter, let's look at Peter, although there were others. Acts 2, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, he's filled with the Holy Spirit again. And then later, also in Acts 4, he was filled again. And you never, you don't see anything like that with those other functions of the Holy Spirit, those other works. He was born again, again. You don't see it. He was indwelt again. He was, he would, or be baptized again, be sealed again. You don't see that with those. But you do that with this. And so this filling appears to be not a once for all, not like those other things. Not a one-time-for-all-time work of the Holy Spirit, but something that can occur again and again and again and again. Repeatedly, habitually. We, and we don't, and by the way, we don't get any sense in here when you go from Acts 2 to Acts 4 that Peter was doing something wrong, so he got unfilled, you know, he... He was, you know, he fell off. It's not on the wagon, off the wagon. No, 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 no. You don't get any sense of that at all. And I, that he's done something wrong so that he got unfilled and had to be filled again. I, I think of it, and I invite you to think of it but like this. You've had this experience of being filled with joy or being filled with sadness, you know, just an overwhelming sadness that doesn't have to be good or filled with guilt or filled with relief you know you you know this is, it come over it overpowers you or a sense of peace I was filled with a sense of peace and these are repeated experiences are they not and you're not conscious of it dissipating you're not really conscious of it dissipating but you sure are conscious when the when it floods over you right feeling of guilt or dread or you know you think of it and it just overcomes you you're conscious of uh, of that. Stephen, remember the first martyr of the church, he was known, if you look at Acts 6, we won't take the time to look at it, but it says he was known as a man filled by the Holy Spirit, or full of the Holy Spirit, I think is what it says. So he's characteristically filled by, and we haven't talked about what it means yet, but he's characteristically 
filled by the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. But apparently, when his, at his martyrdom, he gets a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, or a, because that's what it says, just before he goes to heaven, he gets a vision of it. Then Stephen, full of the, filled with the Holy Spirit, sees heavens opened up and Jesus standing at You remember that, that passage. So he, he's, full, he's known as being full of the Spirit, but then it happens again. It's something fresh. It's something... Uh, it, it's, it's unlike regeneration, unlike indwelling, baptism, sealing, because uh, of that. This, one, this filling is something that this happens again and again and again and again and ought to. It's also unlike it in that we are commanded to be filled. Believers are not commanded to be reborn, to be born again. They're told that they have been. They're not commanded to be indwelt. They're told that they are. They're not commanded to be baptized into the body of Christ, you know, to the spiritual baptism, because they are. Not told to be sealed, but they are told to be filled. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That's the English Standard Version but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And herein is the, really, the best, uh, the strongest New Testament um, indication of what the filling of the Holy Spirit is and how it works, and it lies in this comparison and contrast. Not just comparison, but comparison and contrast to becoming drunk with wine don't be drunk with wine and by the way it means alcohol the wine stands for substance abuse don't say Bible doesn't say anything about getting drunk with on beer you can get drunk don't be drunk with wine but the beer's fine liquor's fine right cocaine's fine no he says the 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 alcohol stands for all of it that's just what they would do they, if they're going to be drunk, that's what they would have gotten drunk on. When the state trooper has occasion to arrest the drunk driver, what's the driver charged with, at least in our state? Driving under the influence. Boy, that is so fortunate for biblical teaching. <laughs> that, they, that they call it that, you know, not drunk driving, you know, that informally, but driving under the, the influence. The person that's filled with alcohol under the influence of this external thing, what happens? They lose control. They can't drive straight. So we've had a dramatic, uh, probably, I think, a, dr- a dramatic illustration of that in our church. Can't drive straight. Can't walk straight. Can't even see straight sometimes. Certainly can't think straight. Susceptible to making the dumbest decisions ever speech slurred if you could understand the person you 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 might wish you couldn't understand them because when they when the person sobers up they they might wish they couldn't have been understood either or two uh, he's under the influence of a foreign substance yet he's responsible for everything he does and says because he's the one who yielded himself to the influence of this external something 
outside of himself in a way. Uh, sometimes they'll try to use that as an, as an excuse or defense, right? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was the alcohol. <laughs> Don't pay attention to him, Mom. That's just the liquor talking. Don't eat that, that ugly, those ugly things he say. Don't pay attention. That's just the that's just the alcohol. It doesn't really work, does it? He got that way willingly. He himself put himself under the influence of that. And so the Bible says it's debauchery. He's, he throws and uh, New American Standard here says it's a dissipation. It's wastefulness. It's just he throws away his honor. He throws away his dignity he throws he debauches himself he wastes himself you know one of the slang terms for it is being wasted it's perfect because that's what the bible says you just throwing you you just pouring your pouring out what's precious what's good you just poured it out on the ground it's you know you're wasting it you know that's it's a good uh, it's a good picture of what the bible says so rather so that there's the comparison there and the Bible says, Ephesians 5.18 says, Rather than making a willful decision to place yourself under the influence of drink, it says, rather than that, pay, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Place yourself under His influence. It is still yielding yourself to something that isn't exactly you. But He is in you already. It's not like the drink that you have to infuse yourself with fresh. He's already there. But it says, yield yourself to his what? To his influence. You know, that's where the... So, you know, to his empower... Want it. Uh, open yourself to it. Yield to it. Uh, welcome it. Value it. Seek to go... And this is really key, I think... Try to go in the same direction He wants you to go. Cooperate with Him. And that's where the, that's where the comparison with this, with this uh, uh, being drunk with wine and the filling of the Holy Spirit, that's where the comparison ends and the contrast begins because the results are the opposite of being drunk with wine. Rather than debauchery, there will be what? Holiness rather than a wastefulness, a squandering, there's going to be a preserving and a protecting uh, that, that which is good and holy and decent. There's going to be preserving influence. Some press the comparison so far that they end up saying something like, it sounds like this even if they don't say it, but sometimes they'll just say it. Don't be drunk with wine, be drunk on the Holy Spirit. I heard some say that. It's pressing the comparison too far. As if the effects are similar. Like you're out of, like I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit. I'm out of control. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't keep my feet sometimes. <laughs> I'm not in control at all. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm out of my, I'm, I'm in a trance. In trance. I'm, I'm drunk. I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I, who knows? I'm just in another world. I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit. Now, most Christians don't make that mistake. But I think we, we even miss the idea just a little bit when we boil the filling of the Holy Spirit down to the word control. Don't be controlled by the alcohol, controlled by a form, but be 
but fall under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's the idea. You know, you're, it, when, you're, when you're drunk, you're under the control of the alcohol. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tweak that a little bit. I want to say you're, there's still there's a little missing of the boat somewhere. And it's not I want to reject it out of hand. But, it, but it, it's, it's not, I don't see it as quite right. Now that I'm, I've, I've taught it that way, I know. But now that I'm in my 60s, or, and you can decide whether I'm in my wisdom or in my dotage. I, you decide. But I'll tell you what, I, what I, th- I think we need to tinker with that idea a little bit, and here's why. First of all, some have kind of taken that to mean that if the Holy Spirit is filling us, we are not in control of ourselves at all. It's not us anymore. It's the Holy Spirit. We're just the instrument. The Holy Spirit's taking the wheel. And that understanding of it, or at least what I want to say now is that's a little bit of a misunderstanding, doesn't, of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit or filled by the Holy Spirit, doesn't quite seem to fit with one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit being self-control. You know, the New Testament really can't be teaching, at least in my judgment, that under normal circumstances, apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives is going to be self-control, except for those times when He fills us and then we're out of control altogether and it's the Holy Spirit. He takes over. It seems contradictory to me. So, and, and some of that disorderly worship at Corinth seems to have been caused by gifted people who saw the Holy Spirit's working just that way. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. He's given me this gift and I've got to let it flow. He's given me the gift of tongues. It's just got to go. He's given me gift of prophecy. So there's going to be all kinds of people prophesying. And they're going to. It just has to go. It has to flow. Don't blame me. It's the Spirit. But Paul says, and I'll read a little bit from 1 Corinthians 14. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at the most, and each in turn let someone interpret. In other words, you know, you might, you might have the gift, but that doesn't mean you have to use it. It doesn't mean you have to, it doesn't have, no, 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 it's not like that. You have to, it just has to go. You're out of control of spirit. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirit, here, boy, this phrase, verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 14. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, don't tell me it was the spirit and there's nothing to be done. If you're out of control, you can't control it. No. With everybody's, all this disorder, everybody doing their own thing, that's not how it works. You are not a dumb, uh, I don't mean stupid, but just a, you're not an inanimate conduit of the spirit's expression like you go into a trance and then the spirit takes over. That's not it the mark a mark of the spirit's filling among other things is not a loss of self-control to a benevolent holy spirit but an enhanced and strengthened self-control that is empowered by the holy spirit and that's just what we find in the new testament and one of those cases i cited is a clear example acts chapter 4 when peter and john report the threats of the sanhedrin if they were to continue to proclaim Christ openly and publicly, 
the group prays. It's not very long, but it's the longest recorded prayer in the in the New Testament. But they really they end, they really pray for courage and for inner strength to not fold under that pressure, not fold under the pressure of of persecution or being jailed or something like that. And so they they pray for that. And when they when they pray, it says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's the result? And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Notice no tongues, right? And but and once again, they weren't sitting there. Lord, fill us with the Spirit because we want this wonderful experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit. They're praying to to do God's will even when the pressure was on and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't think of the of the filling of the Holy Spirit as if Galatians 5 in the fruit of the Spirit passage says the fruit of the Spirit is a is a thrill. The fruit of the Spirit is like being drunk except in a good way. Under something good and not bad. Uh, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is a loss of self-control. It's like being possessed except by God, not the devil. Uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, I, I don't know what, like stiffening up like a board and falling over backwards. That's a fruit of... You know, it's, it's, not, it, it's, it's not anything like that. It's coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit for the accomplishment of His will in any situation, whatever it requires. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, I, I chose, uh, there's a picture on the front of the bulletin. And I, I, I chose that. You know, you can find, you can find a lot of pictures of, uh, that picture the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, like a, you just Google filling of the Holy Spirit, look for an image it might fit and I might use for the bulletin cover and there's a lot of them like a, a glass that's being poured in you know you see water I said one I almost used that had it looked like a goblet being filled but the goblet wasn't there it was just the shape of the you know <laughs> and it was kind of cool but they were all passive they're passive completely passive but it's not completely passive be filled it's passive but you do something and so I had this I chose this one because because those men they're doing something to be filled, right? The wind fills the sails. The wind fills the sails. Jesus compares the Spirit to the wind, doesn't he? And there are other, there's the word itself, you know, as a, is used of wind sometimes. But the, they, it's, they pull up the sails of what? Their obedience, their desire, their wanting to go in the direction that the Spirit will take them, right? They do something. And the Spirit fills, fills the sails. Pushes you in the direction that the Spirit wants to take you. They're not out of control, are they? Those sailors, they're not out of control. They're in control. They have, they have self-control. They're saying, I, I'm doing what God wants me to do, what He commands me to do what He wants to do in me, what He wants to do through me. But you know, when I do that, there's a strength in it that does not come from me. Those men aren't rowing. They're being pushed along by this power 
that's not really from themselves, but this, this power pushes them along. And the results are just, are, they're as diverse as God's will in and for our lives. Acts 4, it was, well, Acts chapter 2, they speak these other tongues and people understanding understand them in their own languages, speaking of the mighty acts of God. But in Acts 4, what is the result of filling? Boldness, continued boldness in the face of persecution. Acts chapter 7, the filling of the Holy Spirit gives him a vision of, of, of where he's going to be shortly. A vision of heaven. In Luke chapter, well, in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, that be filled with the Spirit, what's the result of filling? If you look at it in context, it's an openness in worship. It's a gladness in worship and a willingness to build up other believers in worship, speaking to one another in psalms and spiritual songs and so forth. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is, is spoken of being full of the Holy Spirit and the result of it is a power uh, to withstand the, temp the strong temptations of the devil. Uh, Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and spoke a wonderful uh, uh, an inspired word of blessing on Mary. Uh, when her husband Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, he resulted in a prophecy. He spoke a prophecy concerning his son. When the apostles were filled, as I said, the apostles filled with the Holy Spirit, they, they were telling in people's own tongues the mighty works of God. And in each case, it's a different result in each case, but the filling, what, what's it hold it together? The filling of the Holy Spirit is empowerment to do the Lord's will in the moment. And he fills, he controls, he influences where he's welcome. So it says, be filled. Where there's a thirst and a longing to obey God. Where there's a, there's a strong will, but also a yielded will to his purposes. A desire to serve his kingdom. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're told. Right? We're commanded. But it's the Holy Spirit that fills, that influences, that waxes strong, that fills the sails of our obedience, that leverages gifted ministry, that builds up fellow believers through what we say, what we do, gives us boldness in the face of persecution, worship, and faith. And what do we do? We pull up the sails of obedience. We pull up the sails of willingness to go in the direction that the wind will push us. The Spirit will push us. Um, it's no good. I, I notice that, you know, the, the, I don't see people asking to be filled just for the experience. Oh, I just, that would be so awesome to be filled. I want to be filled, Lord. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see people praying directly to be filled. Not that, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. But it seems like what brings the filling is the willingness the, the, to serve, to do the Lord's will, to obey. And it seems like he's always willing to fill, right? Or else we wouldn't be commanded to be filled. In other words, it's no good asking to be filled if we're not really willing to withstand or deny a particular strong temptation. Or 
or we're not really willing, one of them, Ephesians 5 is worship. We're not really willing to return thanks to God, but, but fill me. Or we're not willing to work or serve in the giftedness he's already given or to love the brethren or witness the lost. It isn't, the filling is not the Spirit taking over where we are unwilling. It's the Spirit empowering our desire to do what God wants us to do. To be what God wants us to be. To do what He wants us to do. Where, where that is, where that is, the Spirit fills. He empowers. And like I say, He must always be willing or else we wouldn't be commanded to be filled. We don't fill ourselves. It's still something the Spirit does. But what do we do? We put ourselves in the place where He, where he will. Where we want to go the direction His wind will take us. Uh, Lord, uh, I ask again on behalf of this congregation, these believers, including myself, that we would live and love and serve in such a way that your spirit would be free and welcome to fill the sails of our obedience, our desire, our will yielded to yours. Empower our service. Be the strength that pushes us beyond our natural limitations to accomplish your will in us and through us. And let us continually and repeatedly know the experience of being a conduit through which the power of the Spirit courses, not for the sake of an experience, but for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your kingdom, our usefulness in it, our sanctification, the salvation of the lost. Fill the believing with the Holy Spirit who is already within us and among us and convict the unbelieving of the sin that separates from you, the righteousness they lack, and of the judgment to come, that they might instead be reborn of God's Spirit and dwelt by Him, made a part of Christ's body, and sealed for the day of redemption. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.